Thank you, Anne. Yes, yeah, so if you've got a Bible, keep your Bible open at Psalm 102. That would be great. We are back in the book of Psalms. We do this every summer at Avenue. Um, and um, yeah, we have reached the hundreds. And it's always good to remember what we're looking at when we're looking at the Psalms. We're looking at what is primarily a collection of songs, so we don't have the tunes for them anymore, but they were written to be sung and remembered by God's people. And many of these songs are also prayers, and as Alice put it brilliantly in her old age, so it's kind of a soundtrack to life in this world. So the Psalms help us know what it looks like, how to feel about God, how to trust Him, and how to worship Him when things are going on around us we don't always understand. And I hope really that this summer, like previous summers, spending time in the Psalms will open our eyes to what a great God we have and what it means to love him and live for him in our lives. But as we begin to look at Psalm 102, I wanna begin with a question. Is suffering ever a good thing? We've already thought, um, Anna and Alta both unpacked that first bit of the psalm, that actually this, this psalmist, the guy speaking in the psalm, is having a really difficult time. And we're going to say, is suffering ever a good thing? Now, to illustrate this, I am learning an instrument at the moment. So, Clara, do you want to come and help me? Um, so, I'm, I'm learning the flute. Um, my wife plays the flute and my daughter plays the flute, and it looks fairly easy. So, um, so I'm going to play... Is that okay? Thank you. Yeah, I'm very good. Um, so I'm going to play a bit of flute, and this is to bless all of you. It's lovely. Is that right? Yeah, okay. Do that. Okay, right. Okay, here we go. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, um, my teacher will now um, have, have a go. Um, I'll set you up nicely. Okay, do that, okay. (laughs) Is that? uh, Cloud, do you want to play? You play something brief. Okay, right, so, okay, so it's not as easy as it looks, okay? But actually, with playing an instrument, as Clara shows us at home, it's painful at first. It's hard to begin to learn a music instrument, but after a while, it can sound really good. Do you want to play your little piece? No. Okay, this has been prepped beautifully. But, um, Clara, if you take the flute and a round of applause for Clara, my teacher. Beautifully prepped there. But yeah, you play an instrument, it sounds painful, but hopefully at the end, that pain is for a purpose. That suffering, as you listen to horrible music sometimes, it's growing into something that can be beautiful. In that sense, that suffering can be a good thing. Another example is exercise. Exercise is not nice. This is a photo that was taken without my consent at the church weekend away. Um, and it's pain. I mean, if you zoomed in on my face, you would just see suffering. Suffering all over my face. But I am reliably informed that suffering leads to good things, leads to being fitter and healthier and having an amazing physique like the one I have. <laughs> So that is the thing. Suffering sounds like it's never going to be a good thing. But actually, there are times when we see suffering can be a good thing. And Psalm 102, the psalm we're looking at today, it's kind of a confusing psalm. We focus mainly at verses 1 to 11, which is the first half of the psalm. And really, that first half is sort of all about suffering. It's about the suffering of the speaker. But then you get to the second half, the, the bit that Anne just read to us there from verse 12 onwards, and the second half is kind of all about salvation. 
It's all about how God steps in and saves his people. And we kind of go, well, how do those two things fit together? How can suffering and salvation fit together? And I think Psalm 102 really helps us to see that. So it's just, first of all, looking at that first half that we've already thought about today. The first half of the psalm reminds us that, that actually an amazing truth about the God of the Bible. We can talk to God when we're suffering. I even thought about saying, well, we can pray to God when we're suffering, but sometimes even prayer sounds like a very spiritual thing. Just we can talk to God when we're suffering. And just think for a minute what that means. We can talk to the God who made the universe, the God who is all-powerful, and he actually wants us and invites us to talk to him when we're finding things difficult. I think that's just an amazing truth. The title of this psalm, um, again, it's a prayer of an afflicted person who has grown weak. This isn't a psalm written by someone who's winning at life or about someone who maybe struggled once but doesn't struggle anymore or someone who knows exactly what to do, when to do it. No, this is someone who's not sure they can keep going. This is someone who is struggling and suffering in their lives and yet they talk to God about it. Again, as Alice pointed out, this is an example of what the Bible sometimes calls lament. And in the Psalms, there's quite a lot of Psalms of lament, and the big question, most of them, is how long, O Lord? We sang a song about that earlier. How long is this gonna happen? Basically, it's like, I don't understand, I don't know how to cope, so I turn to you. That is what the Psalmist is doing here. He takes all the things he can't cope with, and he turns to God. And that's an amazing truth for us to learn from. Because I think maybe we've all got friends or family members and some people we think, yeah, they're great when things are good. I enjoy hanging out with them, having fun with them. But if I'm struggling, I don't really want to talk to that person because they seem pretty sorted and maybe they're not going to help me much. But with our other friends and family members, we hope in our lives, we go, if I'm struggling, I'm going to call them. I'm going to talk to them. And I'm going to say, this Psalm shows us that the God who made the universe belongs in that second group of people. He's the one we can talk to. He should be the first person we turn to when life is hard because he loves us, because he has compassion on us, because he is able to help us. So this first bit of the psalm tells us we can be honest with God when we're struggling. He can take that. Don't let your struggles drive you away from God. Let your struggles drive you closer to God. So that's that opening bit of the psalm. But again, like I say, there's a bit of a gear change. It's like the music sort of changes. The first 11 verses, it's really sad music. Maybe strings are involved. It's kind of just a really mournful tune in a sense. But suddenly the music changes at verse 12. And you can sort of summarize this second section of the psalm as we can be confident God will save his people. So the, the, the psalm is saying, I'm like a desert owl. I'm on my own. I can't sleep. I can't eat. But suddenly in verse 12, he says, but you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. He kind of shifts from himself to go, actually, but because of who you are, Lord, I have hope. The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the king and he has compassion on his children. Verse 13, you will arise and have compassion on Zion. That means compassion on your people for it's time to show favor to her. So, so the, the writer of the psalmist says, the psalmist, he's saying, actually, I know who the God of the Bible is. I know who the living God is. And he is a God of compassion. 
If you look ahead to Psalm 103 we're looking at next week, there's this great statement about God that's repeated again and again in the Bible in verse eight of Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. That is just who our God is. The heart of God, the essence of who God is, is he's a God of compassion. He cares for his people. And who are his people? Well, again, it's amazing that his people aren't just the people of Israel. His people are the nations, we learn. So God wants to have compassion, not just on his people, but on the nations. Verse 15, the nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. The end of verse 22, the people and the kingdoms will assemble to worship the Lord. God says, I have compassion not just on the people of ancient Israel, I have compassion on all the nations. And who are the nations? That is basically anyone who hasn't yet trusted in God. It's amazing actually, God will save his people and that's not just the people who know him already. That's an amazing truth. So again, you think of who the nations are today. That's people in Ethiopia, we've been hearing about recently. That's people in Nigeria. That's people in Ukraine. That's people in Clarendon Park. That's people in Wigston, in Aylston, in Ersmonsel, in Oadby. There are people all over our city and all over our world who don't yet know God's compassion. And this psalmist says, God is gonna save his people from all the nations of the world. Anyone who humbles themselves and trusts in him. So it's a real kind of gear change. The first bit is, is I'm suffering, but I can talk to God when I'm suffering. The second bit is like, oh, but God is going to save his people, says the psalmist. And we're kind of sitting there going, well, how does that work? How is God going to save his people? And the last bit of the psalm helps us understand that. The last bit of the psalm tells us that God will save his people through the suffering of his son, Jesus. Now that, it's kind of a strange psalm in some ways, this psalm. It's kind of first part suffering, second part salvation. How do those things fit together? We're a bit baffled in some ways when we first read it. And a bit we didn't look at in verses one to 11. If you look back at verse 10, we learn that the speaker of the psalm is suffering, verse 10, because of your great wrath. So actually the, the speaker's saying that same God who's compassionate and he's gonna save his people, actually he is pouring out his anger on the speaker. And verse 23, the speaker says, in the course of my life, he, that is God, broke my strength. He cut short my days. So the same God who hears us when we're suffering is angry with the speaker in some way. He's pouring out his wrath on the speaker of the psalm. We're going, well, what's going on here? How does that fit together? I want to say, if we just had Psalm 102 in the Bible, we'd just be left baffled, going, don't know, don't, don't understand this at all. But actually, the key to this is learning that the closing verses of this psalm are quoted in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews and chapter 1. And the writer of Hebrews quotes this bit and says, these verses are about the Son of God. They're about Jesus, actually. Let me read that for us. The writer of Hebrews quoting Psalm 102. In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment they will be changed, but you remain the same 
and your years will never end. So the writer of Hebrews, he, we've got this new word, Lord, at the beginning there. And that word Lord opens up this psalm for Christians. This is a psalm all about the coming Messiah, Jesus, and his suffering in our place. So verses 1 to 11, when we suffer, it's not just that God hears us. Actually, God knows what it's like to suffer because of Jesus. So we, we think of that question we started with, is suffering ever a good thing? Well, in Psalm 102, the person suffering here points us forward to Jesus, the Son of God who suffered for us. And as painful as it was for Jesus, it is actually a good thing for us that he did suffer. He suffered the wrath of God, the anger of God on our sins so that we won't be punished, so that we are free from that anger and we can be welcomed into God's family forever. Again, look at the way Jesus is described here. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a majestic picture. And yet, that same Jesus goes to a cross and goes through suffering for us. Again, you look at verses 1 to 11, all these descriptions of the psalmist. You can read them again when you get to the end of the psalm going, actually, these are descriptions of Jesus too. In my distress, I groan aloud. All day long, my enemies taunt me. I wither away like grass. And why? Why does Jesus go through that suffering? Verse 28, the last verse of the psalm. So the children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. Jesus suffered to win us and bring us into God's people. His suffering is actually a really good thing for us. So wrapping up on this psalm, why is this psalm in our Bibles? Why is it good news for us? I think just to finish up, we're just going to say this. The first thing it tells is suffering is painful. Um, I made sort of light of suffering there, exercise flutes. Sometimes suffering is really painful. And actually, God takes our suffering seriously. I hope we've seen that today. We can go to him. We don't have to hide it from him. And we can talk to God when we are suffering. Why? Because we worship a God who knows what it's like to suffer. Jesus understands. Jesus gets us. And that is a beautiful truth for us to hold on to. But more than that, suffering for a Christian is never pointless because the suffering of Jesus wasn't pointless. The suffering of Jesus won salvation for us, brought us into God's family forever. Because of Jesus' suffering, I am now forgiven, accepted by God, washed clean of my sin forever. And so can everyone be who trusts in him. So the way God saves us is through the suffering of his son in our place. We can thank God for that. We can draw near to God knowing actually you do understand, Lord. Thank you that you understand. And we can worship Jesus for all he's gone through for us. This is a song that puts suffering and salvation together because that's what Jesus did at the cross for everyone who trusts in him. Let me pray for us. Let me, let me pray. I'm going to just read those last words of the psalm again for us. Speaking about the Son of God. In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them. They'll be discarded, but you, Lord, remain the same. 
and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. Lord God, we thank you so much that when we go through hard times as Christians, we can know that you are a God who knows what it's like to suffer. Father, thank you that you're not distant from us. Lord, you entered our world in the person of your son and you have experienced all the suffering we experience. Thank you so much for that and that invitation you give us to come to you. But thank you also that because of the death of your son Jesus and his resurrection from the dead, suffering is not pointless and suffering will not have the last word. Thank you, Lord God, that you will win over sin and death, that you have won. You have defeated those things at the cross. And Lord, help us to see that whatever we are going through right now, we can trust you, we can thank you for your victory over sin and death. And we can know with confidence that if we are putting our lives in your hands, you will bring us through suffering into a glorious new creation. Thank you for this psalm, Lord. Thank you for the song. It helps us sing in this world. Help us to keep singing that song in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.